Hi, everybody. Savan Molyneux from Free Domain Radio. Kind of sad that a, a glorious musical presence has vanished from the world, you know, snuffed out by the two wet fingers of eternity on the candle of mortality. And uh, that's, I guess, uh, Prince and, and, and David Bowie and George Michael uh, passing away this year uh, of often slow self-inflicted addictions. Um, I guess uh, with David Bowie, it was to cigarettes. Uh, with Prince, it was to um, painkillers. And with... Um, George Michael, well, it was pretty much everything he could get his hands on. We'll get to that in a second. But um, a glorious, glorious voice, a, a good performer, and a great songwriter. I think often underrated as a songwriter. He did a lot of variety, um, uh, you know, kind of hip-hop kind of stuff. Uh, and he did some great duets with himself uh, on the the Faith album and um, the soulful ballads and, and uh, some rocking stuff and uh, contemplative and self-reflective. Um, I remember listening to, um, no, listen without prejudice with, with Freedom 90. I may get some of this stuff mixed up, but I'm pretty sure it's fairly, fairly okay. And, and in it, he says, look, I, you know, when I was in Wham, I was, uh, you know, intentionally, you know, when you shake your ass, they notice first, right? I mean, I was, but I now want to be taken seriously because he said, you know, uh, I, I got to believe in the sound. It's the one good thing that I've got. And that's kind of tragic too, that the only thing you have to bring to the world is a musical ability, which is great. You know, of course, it brings people a lot of pleasure, but it's the one good thing that I've got, I think, is, uh, is, uh, sort of a sad statement of a low self-regard. And this is, um, I think really something important to understand that, um, these people appear very confident and that, ah, the same is true in politics as well. The politicians come up there and do these speeches and, and so on and, and withstand the, the blows of the press if they're on the right and <laughs> withstand like a, uh, a sort of fading lollipop being licked to death by the press if they're on the left. But, um, these are not confident people. And, and you can tell a lot of times by their personal relationships. How are they doing in their personal relationships? Well, uh, George Michael, um, came out to some people when he was, um, 19 and in the tight panted electric boogalow sat on a happy cactus smile in the video for wake me up before you go go came out to everyone else with half a brain and half an eye Ooh, that guy's pretty tanned and peroxided and really enjoys short shorts and uh is prancing around like an elf on cocaine um well uh, i guess he came out more officially later on he was kind of outed in a very seedy way uh as gay uh in 1998 uh, he was um, caught soliciting sex in a stinky-ass public toilet, uh, and that's how he was uh, outed. And he had quite a few brushes with the law, particularly because of substance abuse and driving. Uh, he was sentenced to eight weeks in prison, so four weeks for driving his car into a shop uh, in London while under the influence. Uh, and he was also caught with crack cocaine and all these kinds of things. So that is a very interesting and, and tragic thing. You know, everybody wants fame. Everybody wants fame. And um, he said once, he said, I'm, I'm, I'm also sure that most people find it hard to believe that stardom can make you miserable. After all, everybody wants to be a star. I certainly did. And I worked hard to get it, but I was miserable. And I don't want to feel that way again. We admire these people. They look very glamorous. You know, they're, they're tan, dressed to the nines on red carpet events, you know, beautiful, often talented as hell. And it looks so compelling. It looks so exciting. And it looks so like we envy them. We, we want to be them. But um, that's from the outside. These people, famous people, are really trapped by our regard. 
because, you know, they can't just go out and, and walk the streets. Uh, they just can't go out. Like George Michael was in an interview saying that he went on a vacation to an island for four days. And he said, now, basically, everyone on that island has my autograph. And uh, that's all he's got to do. He's just got to smile until your skull is aching from the smilingness. And you may be bad-tempered. You may be anxious about something. But you're aware, of course, particularly now with cell phones and video. You know, you snap once at a fan and it's all over the Internet. And it's like, George Michael lashes out at fan. And, you know, that can cost you a huge amount of money. And all of your handlers are going to be upset with you. And the press is going to try and tear you apart because, you know, the press will just do anything to get to get eyeballs. They are the modern print version of the old public executions that used to occur uh, in Europe and I guess still uh, do occur in some areas of the world. So it's tough. You know, you're trapped in your hotel room a lot. There's a story of Falco, the uh, Austrian quote singer, late, I guess he died driving into a bus in the Dominican Republic, but you know, he went on tour in Japan and he uh, stayed in his hotel room for like five days. He couldn't go out and, and, uh, um, just became more friends with the minibar. And these kinds of addictions, very, very common in the realm of uh, art. Uh, it's a high-wire act. You know, you get there. Uh, Falco, when uh, Rock Me Amadeus went to number one, was told in a bar, and someone said, hey, let's celebrate. And he said, he just burst into tears. And he said, well, now I've done it. I'll never be able to do it again. And this kind of insecurity is really tough for a lot of people. And they, but they look so confident out there, commanding the stage, striding back and forth. But in their personal relationships, in general, it's pretty wretched. Uh, Falco supposedly fathered a, uh, a daughter, but as it turned out, a paternity test showed he wasn't the father. And this kind of heartbreak is uh, uh, pretty important. And uh, yeah, George Michael had a you know, series of relationships, some of which were pretty negative, and some of which were pretty rough. And he couldn't tell the truth to his own mother about being gay because uh, he was worried that his mother would worry that he would die of AIDS, um, because, of course, that was the big thing at the time, and it still is to some degree, or certainly in certain places in the world. And so he had to sort of bury his own sexuality. Um, he didn't really come out much until he was in his mid-20s and didn't really have a serious relationship until he was 27. Uh, that's kind of past the gate in a lot of ways, although George Michael, like Freddie Mercury, was involved with women uh, beforehand, which I was fine well, I don't really understand it. <laughs> like, I wouldn't be like, well, I could, could date a guy or I could date a girl, but, you know, let's just, you know, I'm, I guess I'm sort of one way inclined. Um, and George Michael, of course, also famously was a, a, a marijuana addict and smoke up to 25 joints a day. And that's like unfiltered cigarettes on this glorious God tube of a voice. And that to me seems very tragic as well. What an abuse of uh, a gift you've been given that can, you know, guy sold over a hundred million albums. That seems pretty important to, to protect that. But same thing with Freddie Mercury, uh, that uh, Freddie uh, was a, a chain smoker sometimes and I just treated his voice like crap, never took a singing lesson, and had constant problems with his voice. And my, uh, George Michael also had problems with his voice. Uh, it's a pretty stressful thing, you know, when you have millions and millions of dollars resting on something you can't really control, your voice. I mean, it's pretty stressful. And George Michael did say that uh, it was very stressful when he was younger. Now he relaxes. Uh, when he was touring with an orchestra, he relaxes a little bit more and can enjoy it more. But it's, uh, it's a very stressful uh, thing to have all of that. And also... George Michael had a pretty famously um, troubled relationship with his own father. And uh, I've got a quote here. Uh, he said, I never really told my parents that I wanted to be a pop star or anything. They just knew that I was totally obsessed with music. Funnily enough, my father always used to say that he didn't think I could sing. Well, I mean, of course, that's, I mean, 
what a glorious vocalist uh, he was. And I mean, if you want to see some amazing vocals, uh, watch George Michael uh, at the Freddie Mercury tribute concert after Freddie died, uh, doing a glorious rendition of my favorite song in the whole world, Somebody to Love, and even hitting the falsetto at the end, although declining to do that tumble down vocal dip that happens right after the falsetto instead deferring it to the audience that's okay i've only done that once or twice successfully in my whole life so it's uh, although freddie would rip that off in concert with without any problems so his father didn't think he could sing it sort of reminds me of paul simon singing to his father in a car and his father saying he can't sing at all but that's of course because the older generation was used to baritones right the frank sinatra kind of thing uh and so they were used to more um masculine vocalists and then when you have to fill stadiums and you've, you know the high piercing tenors can fill the stadiums and be more audible over the music when i went to see billy idol when i was uh, young um it was hard to hear him because you know whereas you go hear someone like sting it's pretty easy to hear because those piercing vocals can be amplified much more easily than a baritone which is one of the reasons why along with um not wanting to uh like sort of the girly high voice singers uh like um uh, like George Michael, like Justin Bieber, and so on. They're, uh, you know, they they sort of they're not sexually threatening to to girls, and uh, they're very pretty, and so they've got that androgynous thing going on. So that, of course, has um, occurred. You know, girls seem to spend their whole lives looking for boyfriends rather than husbands and providers these days. So that's one of the thing that one of the things that works that way. So I sort of wanted to to mention because. Famous people are sort of the new pantheon of, of demigods in the world these days. And don't envy these people's lives. They are trapped by our regard. They can't go out uh, and um, they don't have a lot of objective people in their lives. See, if you when you become famous, the people who are around you after you're famous only know you as you being famous. And maybe they want to rub off uh, like fame whores on some of that fame aura, or maybe they want things from you, they want favors, they want money, they want to launch their own career. So you don't know when you're famous um, why people want to be around you. And of course, some people are purely mercenary, and I don't mean this in a negative way. I mean, you need an agent, and people got to book your concerts, and people, uh, sound engineers want you to come in and record so they can get paid. And so everybody wants your energy, your dedication, your focus, your productivity, so that they can get paid. And uh, that is... Um, it's hard to be objective with people around you. Should you tour? Well, there's lots of people who are going to make millions of dollars. If you do, what's their advice to you going to be? What's going to be to tour? And they're going to try and encourage you and get you to do that and so on. And that's, um, it's kind of tough. You know, a lot of people who are famous are very sensitive. I mean, certainly to be a sensitive singer, to be a sensitive songwriter. I mean, you've got to wear your heart on your sleeve to some degree. And it's tough to say, uh, no, like George Michael says this, I'm too nice. I don't say no. And so when you have sensitivity and talent and a public-facing moneymaker, well, then people are going to be trying to mine that resource all the time, trying to mine that resource all the time. Now, people who were with you before you became famous, well, um, they at least have a relationship with you prior to fame, but your lives are so different. You've diverged into like multi-million selling album rock sex god, uh, and they're doing whatever they're doing, and it's not going to be that's always going to be there so fame is a distancer from people in many ways and uh, that's really really important to remember you get stuff you get adulation but you lose love you lose connection uh, for most not for all and just look at the children of celebrities to see how this plays out and did george michael was he surrounded by loved ones did he have a lot of love in his life well no he couldn't have he couldn't have when you're smoking 25 joints a day you're just like a walking high 
voiced haze of marijuana smoke. You're not there. What's there is the drugs. What's there is, is whatever you're putting into your body that eclipses your actual personality. You're not there anymore. Is there somebody to love? No, there's nobody there to love. And there's somebody there to admire. Ooh, great voice. You know, I love this song, you know, but that's not the person. That's not the person. The product is not the person. And, um, that I think is really, really important to understand because we all face these choices. You know, I guess we're not all offered massive tours with an orchestra or anything, but we are all offered choices of stuff for self, right? Stuff for self. I'll give you stuff. If you just give up some of yourself, I'll give you money. I'll give you glory. I'll give you fame. I'll give you power in return for your soul. It's the ancient, of course, example of the devil. And we're all going to, we all get offered that, you know, I mean, there are people who often resent others who sell out, but that's just because they never got off a, a good price, I think. So we will be offered these things in our life. You will be offered at one point or at many points in your life. It certainly happened to me where people will sit you down and say, we will give you all of this glorious stuff in return for your integrity, in return for your identity, in return for love, stuff for love, stuff for self. It's a dangerous, dangerous bargain. And we can see where it leads. It leads to uh, a man dying at the young age of 53. I know it seems old to a lot of you out there. It's really not. Young age of 53, he dies. Now, to what degree did his drug addictions and other addictions uh, work on, on his heart? If it was his heart failure, I guess we'll find out after an autopsy. But uh, it's a young, a young man to die uh, and uh, a talent to be ripped from the world. But... Um, he was, I mean, he fought with Sony like crazy. He didn't record for years because Sony had a recording contract that he hated. Fought with them for years and then ended up signing with Sony again. Oh, what's the point? What's the point? Just go make your music. But um, it's important to remember that and, and to view these people's lives as I'm glad he lived. I'm glad he made his music. I wish he'd been happier. And I think if he'd been happier, um, I think it would have come across in his music more. But um, he did choose promiscuity, I think, over love. He did choose fame over identity. He did choose stuff over self. And I think that is really uh, tragic. And um, don't do it when you're offered that. It's fine to accumulate stuff, but you must do it with integrity. You don't want to die alone in a bed, um, I would say, substantially unloved by peers uh, and used by those who want you to perform like a seal for money. That is a terrible, terrible bargain. And I just wanted to remind you of that. Don't envy these people. It's a very, very hard life. It's a very eviscerating and empty life. And um, we can enjoy the fruits of their labor, but I don't think we have to love the process that they have to go through to get their stuff out into the public. It's pretty brutal and it's pretty gruesome. And when the devil comes up to you and says, I offer thee the world in return for the self, Keep the self. That's where the gold is. That's where the love is. That's where the future of the world must be. Say no to stuff. Say yes to self. That's the only tribute we can pay to a pretty tormented man who died much too young. This is Stefan Molyneux for Free Domain Radio. Rest in peace, George. Thanks for the music.